This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson. Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. We are back for another episode here of the rundown presented by the runner Washington. Keenan Gray here, as always with Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre. Guys, it feels like forever since we've been doing this podcast. It's like a 10 days. So just catching up with you fellas. How are we doing? Hey, Good. Great. I missed you guys. I'm trying to forget about that competition we had last episode. Mm-hmm. It definitely was, it was a little bit rough because I did, again, I didn't realize how much knowledge you guys would have, but at the same time, I wanted to make it very difficult for you guys, but Kyle was on the front end of winning that. So congratulations to you. College or or lack lack thereof. (laughs) It is what it is. So I think Alex, you'll get over it. We'll move on and we'll go about today's episode. So just breaking down what we'll be talking about today. We'll be going over some WIA news. Obviously everyone knows now that cross country is going to be officially in March. Of course there is the alternative season that will still be going on in the fall season. But of course there have been teams that have our, our leagues, I should say that have already opted out. We'll go into detail more about that, talk about what we think and what we could perhaps see the greatest cross-country season of all time since this is going to be a huge motivation piece for everyone going forward into March. And then we'll end the episode with talking about the top 1A individuals and teams to watch for this season. So, of course, going back to the WIA, the season has now been moved to March 1st and the state championship will now begin on May 1st. Of course, now this was a bit, a bit of a shock and really upset at first, but I see this as a blessing in disguise. Kyle, I know you in particular down in the MCC, which is the Mid-Columbia Conference, you guys have already opted out of the cross-country alternate season. Um, give me your take on what this could potentially be for the future of cross-country when it moves in March. Yeah, Keenan, I know when they originally mentioned that they were going to have cross-country in the fall season just with phase three schools possibly competing. We were really worried over here in the tri cities since we're still practically halfway there at phase 1.5. So going to moving it over to the spring is a real benefit for us, especially since no real secret, we lost a lot of great seniors last year to graduation. So with a young squad coming back, you know, we're looking at having an extra shoot. What? six, seven months to get those guys even more prepared than they already are right now. So it's a big benefit for us. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of kids who are in the same teams that are in the same situation where they, now they've got this extra time to really prep. Maybe if they've have, they had a couple injuries or kids that are out for vacation. Well, not a lot of people vacation in the winter and early spring. So I think we could really, like you mentioned, have an incredible, not only just cross-country season, but rolling into track, how many kids don't train throughout the winter and just come to track unprepared. And now we're going to see maybe some of those JV runners who 
would like to break five minutes just absolutely crush it because they had this huge base from cross country. So it's going to be a really exciting cross country season that will lead to even a better track season. Alex, as a head coach for you, this is probably a little difficult and very challenging for you, but to process this, and I already know that uh, Yelms League has already opted out of the alternate season, but as a head coach, how, what do you see as this is the future of cross country right now? Uh, I'm going to agree with Kyle, and it's it's a great thing for the younger guys who already invested. If you got a school with a strong um, middle school program and they know about cross country, it's just more time to get ready. For those older guys that are coming back, you're they're really going to have to dig deep for some motivation. I mean, this is the longest off season ever. I mean, we've we been going since March of just um, you know trying to find it within yourself to stay motivated, and now it just got pushed to next March. So we're going to go a full year of, um, you know, most, most everyone doing long, easy runs. Um, so going to have to dig deep for some motivation, but I think if they can do it, you guys are exactly right. We're going to see some really fast times. And I think in the fall particular, and I've talked to um, a couple of coaches already, once we move into phase three and phase four and the districts give the teams their opportunity to get together and run, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for inter-squad meets and just plenty of like time trial races as a coach for both of you guys what are the opportunities you see for these kids to improve but also um train going into the spring because now the actual cross-country season is going to be in march yeah i i don't know if there's really going to be that many opportunities i mean there's there's things that we can do to kind of get creative um i know for example in our league we're having a virtual 3k where all the all the teams will run within their own groups and we'll upload times to athletic.net um but if you if you opt out of the alternate season you have a few weeks where you can where you can train and and i anticipate most most teams will um, but then you go right back into off-season training where it's really just conditioning. You can't give specific workouts or anything. So in, until March, the opportunities are, are pretty limited. So you really have to make the most of what you have. Yeah, I'm kind of praying that the WIAA takes a page out of the Oregon High School League, the OSAA or whatever. They removed all coaching restrictions for out of season for this next coming year. If I think, at least I think they did, if I read it correctly. So hopefully we can get something like that. And that way um, we're all on even playing field in the state. I, I agree with Alex on a lot of opportunities that we can force as coaches. So I think we're just going to have to have the kids mentally tough, do their own thing and pray for success. And just relating this to what's going on right now with current sports, I'm thinking of the NBA down in Orlando. And I remember, I believe it was like Reggie Miller or Matt Barnes. Somebody was talking on NBA on TNT was referring to this might be the greatest NBA playoffs that there's ever been uh, because teams are so motivated. Again, we've already mentioned this might be the greatest cross country season of all time, just because kids are motivated enough. Now they're like, Hey, I'm going to have a season, but this is going to give me a plenty of time now to do a lot of base training, get stronger, get faster. Who knows? We could potentially see someone finally break 15 on that new course at the state meet and be the first one since Tanner Anderson and Matt or not Matt. Um, yeah, Matt, Dre- what was, what was his name? Dreschel from Mouse Spokane. John Dressel. I think didn't James Moore also break 15. 
No. I, oh, yes, James did break 15 at the state course. Well, just guys like that, if we can see that happen at the state meet, this is going to be one of the greatest seasons of all time, and everyone's going to remember it from, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years in the future. So this is going to be exciting times, and I know everyone's devastated right now, but look on the bright side. The WI has given you an opportunity to compete in the spring. So there's a positive right there. Even though you're not competing right now, there's positives to look forward to in the future. So I know everyone's going to be looking forward to March and that March through June is going to be probably arguably the craziest three months of high school sports because all those runners are going to be very dead by the end of that season when it comes to track and when it comes to track state. Moving on to the 1A previews, starting off with the boys. Now, if you've paid attention to the 1As the last decade, the Northeast A League is by far one of the most dominant leagues in the entire state, not just at the 1A level, but across the board, B schools, 2A, 3A, 4A. This is probably one of the best leagues within the entire state because of the number of state championships they have won. And we actually have an NEA League alum here, Alex, who went to Deer Park. Tell me a little bit what you think about this NEA League what you've seen from this past decade, Alex. Yeah, when I was there, it was 2A, but we definitely competed with, with the same schools and recognized that dominance with like Lakeside. Uh, Medical Lake was, was starting to become pretty good when we were there too. Now Medical Lake is definitely better than they were when I was there. Um, but I mean, we just kind of fed off of the success from the Spokane schools. We, we knew that, you know, in Eastern Washington, you were meant to run fast and we, we were motivated and inspired by some of the things that were happening at North central and, um, you know, Mead um, during that time. So it's, it's a culture of, of winning for sure. And of course, Lakeside of Nine Mile Falls, the state champions last year, ending that de- decade of dominance for the Northeast 1A league. Looking at it from an individual perspective, top athletes that return, Joseph Blanchant of the center was a freshman last year, finished 11th at the state meets. Landon Davies of Cascade Leavenworth, very energetic runner, was the 2019 1A 3200-meter state champion. Jamar Destell, probably the most improved runner out of anybody in the entire state. Unfortunately, finished 13th at the state meet last year, was arguably the best runner in the entire state running 1532.6 and will be the best runner returning this season. Cameron Hatler from Eatonville. Eatonville moves down from 2A to 1A now. He was, I believe, 13th at the 2A state cross meet. Nick Labar of Kings High School, another young runner who from his freshman year has proven he's one of the best in the state. Rob McManus, you put him on the track against anybody, this cashmere kid will just go at it. doesn't matter if you're from a 4A school or a B school, he's going to give it his all. And then, of course, from Connell, Dallin Price, known for as a middle-distance runner, got way better as a longer-distance runner this season. Kyle, your take on the individuals and what to expect from them this season? Yeah, I think a lot of great individuals coming back. Um, you know, a lot like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, there's at least one guy who has a bit of a chip on his shoulder due to their state performance. They know they can do better. They're still from the Riverside, like you mentioned, so... Hopefully he can bounce back from last year and show that he is the best and uh, come back. I've also, you know, got on my list, very similar to what you put out in your article, some great runners, Rob McCannis, Landon Davies, Dallin Price. All these guys have been great. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at last year's times and, um, 
I, I would guess that Jamar probably was dealing with some injury. He didn't run a whole lot of races and the state performance not being probably what he expected. I will, gonna, say, this, gonna, I will, I will say this, he missed an entire month. So there yeah. probably perhaps was a health thing right there as to why he didn't perform at his best. But yeah, he missed an entire month of cross country racing. But we know that he's fast and I don't think we've seen what he can do. So he'll be somebody that's definitely... You know, I'm, if I'm Jamar, I'm thinking I'm going to be the state champion for sure. But I, I'm looking at Rob Mc, McManus from Cashmere. He's a senior, super consistent, second in state last year. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to call it that he's the guy to win it this year. I was really impressed with Rob McManus. The very first opportunity I got to watch him run was at the 1A state track meet, and I and there was a kid from uh, Charles Wright Academy, Adam Breezer, who was a two-time 1A cross country champion coming in as the best uh, 1,600 and 800 duo runner, was not expecting Rock McManus to outkick him with 300 meters to go. I know you two guys weren't at that meet, but just watching the competitiveness in McManus's face and how bad he wanted that race, that showed me right there that doesn't matter who this kid goes up against, he's going to give it his all. And I, and I agree with you, Alex. I see him giving Jamar sell some fits at the state meet because of that competitive fire he has. But I, I really like Jamar. I watched Jamar at the Shadow Park invite. Again, was really impressed. I told him after that race, dude, you are going to be one of the best runners in this entire state as a sophomore. And you got the next two years to look forward to because you're going to win some state championships. Again, another very exciting group we got here. I definitely would not count out Landon Davies though. I know he's, his, the times are not what he wanted, but I know he's got that state championship winning feeling inside of him because he did win a state championship back in 2019 in the 3,200 meters, which again was another race that went down to the final kick and again, shocked everybody. I think some two other individuals I could really push to get to the top there, Jay Nellis and Derek Richardson, just trying to finish up, get some low points for their teams and uh, get their teams up there on the podium because, you know, those low points really matter. Now, from a team perspective, everyone's going to be focusing on Lakeside because of the defending state champs. But I think the best team coming back this season, perhaps, is Medical Lake. Medical Lake returns five runners from their third-place state team and will be the top team out of the NEA league this season, led by Quinton Collins and Reed Hedrick, two guys who have the chance to place on the podium this year. It's been three years since the Cardinals have won a state team title, but they, I think they are the NEA's best bet to keep that streak alive of them winning uh, state championships, which would be an eighth consecutive year in a row. Lakeside, as I mentioned, defending state champs, they'll look to complete the three-peat this season, um, but we'll have to do it without Braden Merrill and Gideon Swanson. Hayden Blank, I believe um, he was one place away from getting on the podium as a freshman. Very talented kid. He's got the opportunity to place in the top 10 this year. Overall, this is another quality team that Steve Olson has put together with a five-man spread of 52 seconds. But again, they'll have to battle with Medical Lake and, of course, Riverside because of Jamar Destell. And I, I think because of Jamar and his talent, that's going to um, get his um, teammates to get motivated and get faster as well. But if there's any team that has a chance to knock off any team from the NEA, it's going to be Cahoya. Cahoya has five seniors and a junior returning this season for what should be their best team yet in school history. Finishing in second place last season behind Lakeside, the Eagles have the best chance to end the streak, in my opinion, at least. Jaden Ellis and Kelton 
Gagnon were both state, state podium finishers and could easily be top 10 finishers this season. Cloya has a solid four, but if they really want to give uh, Lakeside and Medical Lake a run for their money, their fifth runner needs to be under 17 minutes. And then routing up my top four, Cascade and Leavenworth, probably have the best trio in the state with Landon Davies, Derek Richardson, and Owen Bard. They make a strong case as a trophy team this state. For the last few years, the Kodiaks have put together quality teams who have performed well at the state meet. But if they want to go above and beyond fourth place, their fourth and fifth runners are going to need to put some work in and get down in the sub 17 minute range. So thoughts on that on these top four teams. Yeah, I'm going to base this off of the state meet last year and, and some of the performances there. And Medical Lake has the hype. Lakeside is always good, but I'm going with La Jolla. I think that they're going to be the team to beat this year um, based on last year at state again. So just that, that top four that they have is, is so strong. Um, I think that uh, Cascade also has a strong top three, but the fourth man isn't where La Jolla's is. Uh, medical lake when you when you uh actually sorry that was a mistake um but they medical lake does need a front runner and i'm thinking this last year's freshman incoming sophomore reed hedrick uh is a you know 1650 freshman he could be that guy who does that for them so medical lake always in a position to win but i'm calling it with clahoya yeah definitely i mean it i mean, just looking at the pa- the paperwork here it's clahoya's to lose um, streaks and records are made to be broken. They're fun to talk about and look at, but I think La Jolla is going to love to play spoiler. And I would have to agree with you guys. I, I, and I know right now I have Medical Lake and Lakeside as the top two teams, but I'm definitely not surprised if La Jolla comes in and stops that streak. That is a team that is loaded with talent and could be, this could be the first ever state championship they ever won in school history, I believe. So this is, this is the season that they, they can do it. Moving on to the girls' side. With Deer Park winning it last year, which was arguably the biggest shock to a lot of people because of how good Lakeside was, question remains is can Lakeside bounce back from that state meet performance, even though it was a, it was a decent performance, but second place, probably not what they wanted. They return as the top team this season. And then from an individual perspective, with Naomi Smith gone and Elena Stone Boggs gone, the field's wide open. And I know there's one particular runner that has the fastest time returning time this season. That doesn't matter to me. I think this field is completely wide open. Well, let's just go over the individuals to look for. Starting off with Meridian's Kayla Alpel. Not necessarily the season she wanted last year. I've actually had the opportunity to coach this girl for a season during track. And I, she's a fierce competitor. She hates losing. She's someone that it will be in the mix to be in the top six. Campbell Baker of Kings. If Rod Wilcox is listening to this, he's going to be very upset because he knows if Campbell Baker had not uh, had a double fracture in her foot last season, they would have won a state championship as a team last year. So, Rod, I apologize if if you're listening to this. I didn't want to bring up um, the memories of that. But Campbell is someone who is going to be great. She, her um, role model, Naomi Smith, a fantastic runner. She's someone who Campbell has looked up to. That's going to give her motivation to be the best runner she can be. Clahoya is Alyssa Becker, um, much improved junior year of cross country, but it's just the preview of what's to come for her senior season. Made her first podium appearance. So like I said, lots to come in her senior season. But the best returning runner, I believe on paper, 
Laura Carrion of Seton Catholic. Right now she's the front runner. There's a lot of talk about how she just keeps getting better and better. But once May rolls around, who knows? We'll, we'll have to see what just comes up when that state meet rolls around. Maya Ewing of Linden Christian made her first podium appearance last year, ending Linden Christian's eight-year state individual drought. Another runner from the Northwest District League that's a, a really competitive league. Matisse Mulch of Lakeside. Matisse, her main goal is to get her team back a state championship, not necessarily focus on the individual perspective, even though she is a podium finisher. It's going to be the main focus on that team. And then from South will be Kaya Swegler-Richmond, a girl that's, I don't, that doesn't think get enough credit for what she does. Very talented, very strong, known for being a steeplechaser. But I'm expecting some big things out of her. And, of course, she comes also from that very tough Northwest District 1 and 2. Thoughts on these individuals? Yeah, this is similar to, uh, I think it was 2A that we were looking at, where the big dogs are kind of gone from last year, and it's leaving it wide open for for this year. There were some strong individuals last year that were seniors. Uh, but I I agree. I think it's going to be uh, Lara to to take it this year, um, a junior uh, who's a top returner on paper. I think it's got to be her. Going to be wide open field with all those favorites from last year gone. Uh, only thing I really want to chime in is with this whole realignment. Uh, there's those two gals from Wapato going down to from two A to one A. Isabel Alvarado, she was 1905 at the state meet. Crystal Collin, 1910. Now, different races, so times could be a little different here or there, depending how fast they went out. But, you know, those two times that day are already put them, you know, just about fourth, fifth returners. So they could really shake things up and surprise a lot of people who aren't expecting them. So it'll be a lot, a lot of fun to see how they get in there. always looking for the, the east side favorites. So a little bias there. I think they could be really good next year. And it's interesting to know that the east side has always good, has been good from a team perspective. But when you look at this list, it's dominated by the west side from an individual perspective. I don't even remember the last time an east side girl had won. I think it was Zilla's uh, Alexis Redfield back in 2016. She was the last east side um, girl to win a state championship. So I think, again, it's going to be West Side dominated because Seton Catholic is in Vancouver, Washington. Laura, I think, has the best shot out of all these girls to win a state championship. From a team perspective, like I said, Lakeside finishing second last year. They will be the best team coming back on paper. Other than Matisse Mulch being a podium finisher, I think McKaylee Stocker, Anna Milazzo, and perhaps Emma Ames are other runners from the Eagles who could crack the top 16 at state. And if that's possible... Lakeside, of course, is going to win a state championship. You get four girls on the podium. There's no question in my mind you're going to win a state championship. Deer Park, they returned a lot of their girls. They were the surprise last year, and they could be the surprise again this year. But they do lose four-year varsity runner Adelaide Schick, which will be tough to replace and was a key reason to Deer Park state championship last fall. But the Stags do return six runners from that team and will be fairly young this year, led by sophomore Lane Lathrop. Andrea Luce and Marion George ended the season with great times in the state meet, which could be two runners that could help lead Deer Park back to the top of the 1A mountain. Cashmere, not necessarily a team we a lot of people hear about, but again, this is going to be this is going to be a good team this year. Missing the podium just by one spot last season with a fifth place finish. This is this year the goal is to be the top four team. Sydney Smith has established herself as one of the top runners in the state, 
and pr- probably deserves more credit than she has been given. It's been 35 years since Kashmir has won a state title in cross country, and the Bulldogs are one of the oldest teams with four seniors back this season, which puts themselves in the conversation to potentially win a state title this year. And rounding out the top four, La Jolla, another veteran group, Alyssa Becker, already in the conversation to win an individual title, which, of course, will give the Eagles a better chance to win the school's first ever state team title. Becker and her teammate Rachel Neward are the best duo in the state. Both definitely need some help from their third through fifth runners if they want to compete with Lakeside and Deer Park. Thoughts on these teams and how dominant can Lakeside bounce back from what was a really good team last year and this will be a really good team this year? Yeah, I I mean, obviously a little biased here, um, but I am going to go with, with Deer Park again because their top four is so strong. And, the you know, Deer Park coach Ken Mulvania, um, I think he's really good at developing young athletes. So I think that he can get a fifth runner two to step up. And when that happens, it really should be them, even with Lakeside looking looking really strong. I do think on paper Lakeside looks the strongest. Um but the, the top four Deer Park has is, is hard to beat. Um, so I'll, I'll go with the Deer Park girls. Yeah, I think when you look at, you know, it's fun to look at numbers and how fast you ran, but when it comes to state, what it really comes down to is how fast did you run state? How well did you do at state? Um, Deer Park at the state course is looking pretty strong. I would pick them as my, one of my top teams. Clahoya um, right up there with them. Uh, just with their returners, and also it's just fun to say Clahoya. <laughs> I did Google that. That's cool as that. And then Lakeside and Kashmir right there as well. So I think it's going to be a, a real team battle. Probably come down to where those four or five runners finish in, in a mix with each other. Personally, I, I just really like Lakeside because Steve Olson has just done a phenomenal job, not just with the boys, but with the girls too. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Like I said, what he's done with that program, winning multiple state championships in this last decade, I think Lakeside probably overall has the better coach. But again, I think Deer Park is another team that because of what the depth they have are coming back, there's that they're definitely a team that um, is going to give te- people a lot of fits at the state course. Oh, yeah, Lakeside's great. I'm, they go to Sunfair just about every year, same as us, and watch them race. Uh, and even though they're one of the smaller schools, they're super competitive and always out there competing. So a lot of respect to the Lakeside squad. And we've had some good discussions today with the WIA stuff. And of course the team from a 1A perspective and also looking at the individuals, Alex, give me your final thoughts today on the WIA's decision moving forward with cross country going into March. Yeah, ultimately, it's a great thing. Um, I think they could have said fall fall sports canceled, moving on to winter. They didn't. Uh, they want kids to have these experiences, and we just keep holding on to all these things that we have in our control, and we do still have a lot of things in our control. So have to remain positive, have to keep working hard, and there's the potential for this to work out really good for a lot of athletes. Kyle, when you look at the individuals and teams at the 1A level, I'm biased towards the 1A level. I really enjoy watching them. I went to a 1A school. But when you look at both the boys and girls side, what can we expect? And I guess now it's the 2021 cross country season. You know, I'm always going to say I'm an East side bias. I really would like the, you know, Deer Park school, the shoot, what's the conference name again? The NA 
the north the northeast league just go with that i like the to northeast. say yeah okay there we go i'd love to see the northeast league continue their streak continue their dominance uh but they've got to train hard so make sure that no one's playing you're going to play spoiler for them and same with the deer deer park squad uh for their girls and you know they could make history for their program winning two state titles in a row so just keep training hard and you know, you can only control what you can do. So just ask yourself, did anyone else train harder than I did today? And hopefully the answer is no. I'm going to have to go with the West side again. I'm from the West side. So I'm biased towards that. I know you two are both East siders and would love to see your side of the state dominate my side of the state. But I like Alex. Alex is a bit of a traitor though. Cause he's coaching on the West side now. So I don't, I don't know. He's still got East side blood in him though. So it doesn't matter. I know he wants the East side to win, especially since it's the one a level and his team's not at the one a level. Yeah, no, I try to bring a little bit of that East side culture over to the Puget sound and hopefully it starts working. <laughs> Again, we could go on discussion, discussing about this all night long, but we're going to wrap it up for today's episode. My thanks to Alex and Kyle for always joining me. You guys are awesome. And I know you guys enjoy doing this podcast. My name is Keenan Gray. This has been The Rundown presented by The Runner Washington here on SoundCloud. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. For more information on high school cross-country and track and field here in the state of Washington, visit my website at www.therunnerwa.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope to have you back again real soon. Have a great rest of your day. Hey there, this is Marcus Dixon, five-time state champion from White River High School and alumni of BYU. You've been listening to The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. For up-to-date information on all the high school cost country and track and field here in Washington, visit their website at www.therunnerwa.com and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.